Amen. And it starts when we were young, young Christians. We used to get the book, The Daily Bread. Remember The Daily Bread? Yep. Listen, I loved it. I'm not talking against The Daily Bread. That's not what I'm doing here. But we'd get The Daily Bread, and what would it have? It had one verse there, you know, and then we would, we would read someone's commentary on The Daily Bread. But the thing about it is, that was how we read the Bible. That's how we grew in our understanding of the Bible. We grew in our understanding, basically from one or two sentences, you know, from someone else's opinion. And in many cases, that's how we formulated our filters, the filters of our lives. And all of a sudden, when you hear some other concepts that are truths, they feel foreign to us. They seem foreign to us, you know. It's because of how we... I remember being in a youth group, and we were always told to read our one chapter of the day. And it was like, if we didn't read that one chapter, ooh, baby, we were one step closer to going to hell. Right, Lori? We didn't read that one chapter. It meant we were losing our salvation, whatever. But we were taught just to read that one, one, one chapter. And I, don't, I, I never asked Lori this question, but... Were there, any, were there any days where it came the night, it was nighttime, and you said to yourself, oh boy, I didn't read, I didn't read that chapter. And, and that's how we, we, we read the Bible. Come on. Am I, am I lying or telling the truth, right? And now, for the most part, okay, uh, we, um, we get most of our, our learning and our teaching from pastors, Hopefully good pastors, right? But basically, they give topical messages. They give topical messages. And basically, they think of a topic that their people need to hear. And then what do they do? They go in the Bible and they find scriptures that prove their point. Or solidify their point. Are they good messages? I'm not saying they're not. Okay? But the best way to read the Bible is historically, contextually, hermeneutically. What does that mean? That means when we read the Bible, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter that we know little about the person that was writing it, writing the letter, writing the story. We need to know a little bit about what he might have been trying to convey. Then we need to kind of go into, well, what were the hearers hearing? What did it mean to them? What was the culture of that day? If, without that, you really can't understand the Bible. You just can't. And then we have our translations, which, hey, praise God, we have so many different translations. I don't even know how many we have. But I have an app right here that has about 60 of them, you know, and I bounce from, from translation to translation. 
And uh, I believe the Word of God is um, inspired, but I don't believe translations are. You know, you have a lot of men with a lot of agendas. And you have a lot of men who have certain learnings. I mean, if you, if you ever look in the, in the front of the New American Standard or the New International Version or, or wherever, you look at some of these Bibles and you see who were the contributors. And then you read what their backgrounds were and you read the seminaries where they came from. You understand, you have to understand, you realize that when they now go into the scriptures, they're going to go into the scriptures with based, based upon what they were taught. Right? And that, that's why you have so many denominations. That's why you have denominationalism. That's why there's just, just, there's just such a, you know, large, a large wall that exists amongst Christians, you know. Um, and it's all because of historical, contextual hermeneutics. It's just not the way people were trained and taught to, to, to go to the Bible. And what the differences of language, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, how it changes. For instance, 30 years ago, if I would have told you about my son, my son Jeffrey. You guys know I don't have a son Jeffrey, right? But, all right, 30, 30 years ago, my son Jeffrey, I would say things like, oh, man, he is such a, he's, it's so, it's such a wonder to be around. He's always so gay. Right? He's always gay. Every time you're around him, he's so gay. Well, 30 or 35 years ago, 40 years ago, what, would that, what did that mean? There you go. Now, I'm not saying right, wrong, good, bad. That's not what we're getting into. We're just getting into the, 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 the progression of words. And so here you go. You got, uh, here's my son Jeffrey. You know, whenever you're around him, you need to know. He, he's, he's so gay. He's very gay. Now, today, you know what it, it means something different. It means he's homosexual. Okay? So that's just something small. I mean, I'm sure you could think of things that over the years mean things entirely different. So now just think that we're trying to go into English, the English from 1611, you know, and, and try. So it's very important. And it's very easy to do nowadays. With all the aids we have, with all the interlinear Bibles at our fingertips, with all the Hebrew and Greek concordances, going back and looking at history, it's very easy. And if you don't do that, you're going to be screwed up in your living and in your thinking. You're never going to know what's the truth. When is Jesus coming back? Let me tell you something. Can I be honest with you? 1977, 1974. 19, that was it. He's coming back. All the word pointed to it. Right? Mm. The nation that sees, the, the, the generation that sees the nation of Israel become, uh, become a nation, right? Whatever, is going is to see his coming. That, is it Okay? Then it happened again in 1987. Then it happened again in 1988. Then it happened again in 1992. Then two years ago. Two years ago. Remember all the prophets? All the prophets were saying, we can't tell you what, but it's September when the moon's the blood moon. is something. You remember that? My daughter cried. She called me up crying. She said, Dad, I don't want him to come back. I want to get married. <laughs> but why is our eschatology so messed up? 
It's because of historical contextual hermeneutics. You know, when, like when Jesus talks about heaven and earth, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Well, what does that mean? It, is he saying literally when heaven and earth, right, they will pass away before this, this word? And he was talking about the law, okay? So if Jesus was talking about literal heaven and literal earth, then we better be living according to the 613 and the Big Ten. We need to repent because we've been going to church on Sunday instead of the Sabbath day. We have not been set. You follow what I'm saying? So when Jesus was talking about heaven and earth, what was he talking about? Well, guess what? The people he was talking to, they knew what he was talking about. And then Jesus talked about the destruction that was going to happen. And then they asked him, Lord, when will this take place and when will the signs be? And then he let them know. And then throughout the whole writings of Paul and John, you see their warnings of what was about to take place based upon what Jesus told them. They knew, but we don't know. So we think it's talking about the real heaven, the real earth, we think it's talking about what's going to happen. We think, you know, you follow what I'm saying? Because we don't go back. What was the speaker speaking? What, 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 what was he addressing? The people that were listening, what, what was their understanding? What was the relevance? And then you get the true understanding. Then you get the true meaning. Right? I don't even know why I'm saying that. Because I'm going to be reading now from the book of Ephesians. And we're just going to look at what Paul is saying here. How beautiful it is. And how wonderful it is. And how amazing it is. And what they might have been hearing. Brother Paul, you're going to think I'm a wacko after today. I know it. That's all right. Huh? Yeah. So anyway... Let's look at Ephesians. It's, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And uh, it starts out with, Dear friends, my name is Paul. And I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus the Messiah. I am writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. Now, they probably stopped and they looked toward one another and they said, what do you mean? We've already been made holy. Yeah. Paul is letting them know, you have already been made holy through the one Jesus Christ. There's no becoming. There's no working. There's no working to become. There's no striving to become. You've already been made holy. This is, this is so beautiful. Wow. And he goes on to say, may, may God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. And here's the problem with trans translations. You hear what that just said? This translation and some of your translations will say, let, let me look at another translation, compare. From God our Father. All right. But anyway, look what he says in verse 3. What translation are you 
this translation happens to be the Passion Translation. I'm jumping between the Passion Translation and, uh, and the King James Version. <laughs> but here, what he will impart, right, total well-being into your lives. May, may God himself, the Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace. But now look what he says in, in verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon you. Well, what is it? You know, are, are you wanting him to release it or has it already been released? It's already been released, okay? So this is what we're talking to each other. Now we know, wait a second. How could you say, may it be, and then all of a sudden you say, no. Paul is saying, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because he sees us wrapped up into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. The only time the Father sees us, the only way the Father sees us, every time the Father looks at us, he sees us wrapped up in Christ. He sees us wrapped up in his Son. He sees us wrapped up in his, his, his character. He sees us wrapped up in his nature. He sees us just as Jesus is. And that's why John was able to say, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. That's why Paul said, come to the mirror, behold the glory of the Lord, behold the image of the Lord, and know as you behold that image. And the more you behold that image, you're going to be changed into that image by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, not by your doing, not by your striving, but by you looking at the mirror. And what do you do at the mirror when you come to the mirror? You look to see yourself. You look to see your reflection. This is, this is beautiful. <clears throat> For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the Beloved One, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. This is amazing. Can you imagine as they're reading this between one another? Holy mackerel! His perfect plan was to always adopt us, to be his very own delightful children. Wait a second. He loves us? He loves us the same way he loves his beloved son Jesus? The same way he loves Jesus? Yep. And doesn't John tell us that in John chapter 17, verse 23? Father, that they would know that you love them even as you love me? This is, this is so powerful as you're reading this letter. He loves me. He loves me. And since we are now joined to Christ, since we are now one with him, we have been, here we go. Remember, he's talking about release translations. Remember, when you read your Bible, you have to have this filter. I am, I have, I can. If it's indicating I don't have, I can't do, right, and I'm not yet, it's wrong. Okay? Because now here he goes. Again, now, since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. This is powerful. This goes right with Colossians. See, when you read Paul, I spend 85% of my time reading the Apostle Paul. Because he's written, he writes to the new creation. He writes to born again. He writes to the new and better covenant of grace. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, we are, we are qualified to qualify 
for the greatness of our inheritance. And who has done that? The Father. The Father has already qualified us. We are already qualified. You want God to do something special in your life? You want God to heal you? You want God to restore your finances? You want God to give you peace? Right? You know? Well, guess what? A lot of people don't ask him. Don't go to him. Because religion tells them they need to do more or they need to do something else or they need to do something in addition to what they're doing. Something more. So that they can qualify? No. We already are qualified. Period. That's beautiful. Paul, keep going. Paul, keep talking to us. I'm not going to read through the whole book of Ephesians. But I hope that you finish it. I'm only going to read up to one... Uh, I'm only going to read up to... Chapter 2, verse 10, because that's a, that's a verse I want to look at real, real. It's a great verse. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Now listen. See? I want you to see the confusion of... of, of <coughs> Trans, translations. It's in every Bible. See, look what it's saying. Through the revelation, in other words, we've already been given it, right? We've already been given it. We already have it. Keep that in mind. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the beginning of time. <gasps> he had this plan from the beginning of time? And when you look that up, when it talks about the beginning of time, it talks about before time. It talks about always. Mm -hmm. It talks about eternally. There was no beginning, there is no end, you know? We don't see that here. So this is saying, this is saying, and they're understanding this, as long as God was God, he had this in his mind. As long as God was God, he had us on his mind. As long as God was God, he had our perfection in his mind. As long as God was God, he saw us in Christ. As long as God was God, he saw us before him, holy and blameless and in love. This is amazing. Paul, this is great. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Now we're God's inheritance. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. You know how I bragged about Wilder Charles? You know, that's how he brags about you and I. Amen. I don't have the reference now because I wasn't going there, but now it comes to my mind. There's a, a verse in Isaiah where it says he has my photograph <laughs> imprinted in his hand like tattooed in his hand. You know, like you pull out your wallet and you have your picture of your favorite grandchild or your son or your daughter or your wife. God's pulling out his wallet and he's, there's Lenny, look at him. There's Vinny, look at him. This is amazing. This is our father. You know, and this is what... This is what Paul, this is all Paul, Paul wants you to know this. Paul wants you to understand this. Why? Paul doesn't need you, he doesn't need to command you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. He doesn't need that anymore. Now all he knows is 
I'm just going to let you know about the Father. I'm going to let you know about Jesus. I'm going to let you know about how much they love you. I'm going to let you know about how important and special you are to them. Why? Because the goodness and loving kindness of God will lead men to a changing of direction. He knows that when that love comes smashing down to us and we receive it, just like that Super Bowl you throw into the ground, what does it do? It bounces and reflects back up to the sky. And God knows that. Oh, man, this is beautiful. Isn't this awesome? God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to long for the Messianic hope would be the first to believe in the Anointed One and bring great praise to the glory of God. I want you to understand he's writing to both Jews and Greeks uh, and Gentiles right here. He is given to us like an engagement ring, is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope, promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experiences, complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Now, according to Paul, when you look at his writings, there's only one thing we don't yet have. And that is our glorified bodies. Whoo! I can't imagine what it will be like when we have that. Yeah. Right now we have power to transform and revitalize and renew and restore. But it would be awesome to have that glorified body where we could just translate from one spot to another, where we can walk through walls. You know, <laughs> oh, boy, that's going to be great. Because of then, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love toward all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Here we go. Cross this out in your translations, please, please, where it says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you, would give to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and, and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. Paul is not schizophrenic. Paul doesn't tell us one spot, you already have it. You've already been given it. You've already had the revelation. You've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. This is why I told you, you must have the filter in place. I am, I have, I can. If it tells me I don't have it, I can't do it, right? What was the other thing I said? I can, I have, I am. And you're not yet, it's wrong. He just got done telling. So right now, is he, I'm going to pray that God gives you? No. When you look at the, the original wording, it's, he's saying, I'm praying that this wisdom and revelation, this spirit of wisdom and revelation will spring forth from within you. It's there. He already said it was there. And that I would know what? I would know as I am known. Man, if we could ever know about ourselves what God knows about ourselves... Being one with Christ, being enveloped with Christ, being united with Christ, being wrapped up in Christ. Woo! Amen. I, pray, I pray that the light of, God's, of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. That's better, it's better saying that the eyes of your understanding would become illuminated, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance. That he finds in us his holy ones. Whew. Now you remember? The father in Luke chapter 15. All that I have. Is yours. Amen. This Paul's talking about here. Find out. All that the father has. 
is ours. Great inheritance. We are his inheritance and that we enjoy his inheritance. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power. I, I kind of like that, that we will experience because we have it. You know? I pray that you would know, I like that better, know that word know is epignosis. It means, it means an intimacy that you would become intimate with. I like that even better. That you would become intimate with the exceeding greatness of his power, the same power that, that God used to raise Christ from the dead, that's in you, and that's available to you through faith. Oh, man. Then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as it works through you. And that's what God wants to do to us, through us, to win the world. To be a living billboard. To be a living billboard. This is what God can do for you. Amen. He's healed my cancer. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Who said that? Amen. He, he's healed my colonic inertia. He's, he's given my daughter back a free, a free, full, strong, flowing, growing head of hair. You know? He healed my marriage. He healed my marriage. I mean, he, listen. There, there were times where I said, you know what? I wish I was dead. There were times where I wish, God, take me. Get, get it over with. No, 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 no. No. Now, why? Because there's joy. Why? Because now they're, 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 uh, I, have, I have, what's the word? I have a race to run. I have a calling to fulfill. Plus, I want to see my youngest grandbaby married. You know, I want to live. You know what the most joy I get out of life? Preaching his word. And I want to keep preaching it, and I want to keep preaching it till more people hear it, till more people hear it. But not just hear it, hear the truth. Hear the true gospel. Hear the true word of God, the true gospel. That will truly, Jesus said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There was only one truth he was talking about. And he who the Son makes free is free indeed. And I'm telling you what, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul says, Therefore, stand fast in the liberty where which Christ has made you free and no longer be entangled to a yoke of bondage. Then you'll know what Jesus was talking about. Paul lets you know what Jesus was really talking about. Okay? And so here it goes on. Here we go. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. What do you think that's talking about? Who are the rulers? Who are the, who, who are the principality? The prince, right? Satan. Satan. No. Understand what Paul's talking about. The rulers of that age were the Pharisees. The rulers of that age were the scribes. The rulers of that age were the high, was the high priest. But now Jesus goes along with Hebrews, our great high priest. No more bulls and goats and bloods of bulls and of goats. Now he has become that high priest in, under the order of Melchizedek. Now what is Jesus talking about? Not only in this age, right now, the law. What about the age to come? See, if you don't know about the destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem, you won't know what happened in A.D. 70. 
where there was no more high priest and there was no more Levitical records and there was no more sacrifice, where that which was obsolete became fully vanished. So not only now is he Lord of Lords and King of Kings, but on that day, he will still be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. See, they understood what he was talking about. The Jews understood what he was talking about. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. All right. How we doing? Uh, oh, man. We got we to gotta hurry. This, this whole portion of Scripture, please read chapter 2. Okay? But I want to jump. Where it's talking about this beautiful grace, it's just, it's just amazing. But um, I want to talk about one verse. I wanted to go all the way to this one verse, but for time's sake, I'll cut it a little bit short. I want us to look at uh, verse, verse 10. This is a verse that always uh, used to get to me. We have... I'm not going to read it from this. I want to read it from the King James Version. It says, For we are his workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, remember all Paul has said so far. We have been blessed with all wisdom. We have been blessed with all revelation. We have, blessed, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in other words, we've been given everything. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. All right? We have all this to our exposure. This is ours. We possess it. We have it. And then he goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, what is Paul talking about there? Sounds like Paul is talking about works. This is trying to make it sound like Paul is talking about works. You need to find out what you're supposed to do, and you need to do it. God has a work for you. You need to find out what it is. You need to do it. You need to complete it. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's what we've been heard. That's what we've been told. But in reality, in reality, Paul uses the word, the phrase, proto-matso. And it translates, this scripture translates into a notion that God has prepared a highway for us to lead us out like kings. Just like the oriental custom used to be, where people would go before a king to level the road and make it possible for the king to journey with ease and comfort. Now, when you look at that, okay, Paul, if that's what you really mean, it has to be consistent with your other teachings. And when you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, for those of us who receive his abundance of grace and his gift of righteousness, what does it say? Especially in Young's literal translation, we will reign in life as kings through the one Jesus Christ. Now, what does Peter say in chapter, in 1 Peter? Oh, man, um, chapter 2, I should have had it, but I don't. But you know it. For we are a chosen race, a royal 
priesthood, a people for God's own. So when you look at Scripture, okay, I get it now. So now in Christ, now I get what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. It's in Christ I live and move and have my being. So what this is telling us, like my brother, my Pastor Lee shared last week, you got your white flag? Man, you got your white flag? Okay. Let go. Let go. And know that if any man be in Christ, we're in Christ. And now when you're in Christ, stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to gain your own understanding on how it's going to work out. And know what Paul is saying here. God's got it all worked out. You're his workmanship. You're his poetry. He's leveled out your life. He's leveled out your road, your passage, just like when a king would come into the land. His people would go before him, and they would take away all the rocks, and they would take away all the boulders, and they would level all the hills. And wait a second. This prophecy can be found in Isaiah chapter 40. Write this down. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. He would level all the hills. So now when I was coming home from... From, from South Carolina, them roads in the south are a lot different than the roads in the north. And we were on this one road, and it was like smooth and paved. And I was just driving, and you know, I wasn't paying attention. And I'm like, what? What? It hit triple digits. I, I had to slow it down. And when I was at 55, I got down to 55, 65, it was like I was going backwards. That no, I'm just trying to make a point. I hope I'm not screwing it up. <laughs> that road, that ride, that, it was so smooth and so nice and so comfortable and so relaxing. Now, the only thing I needed was that new GPS system where I could just <laughs> sit back. and. But this is what Paul is saying. You're that king. You're that royalty. Sit back and relax. And you will be finding yourself in all the good things that he's prepared beforehand. Amen. Stop trying to figure it out. That's amazing. That's what I wanted to leave off with. So anyway, what I wanted to do was whet your appetite to when you read the word of God to, 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 to a, 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 attack it differently. Attack it. What, what was he, Paul, what was he meaning? What was he trying to say? What was his background as a Pharisee? What, what, you know, what was his understanding because of his conversion? What is he, you know? And, and let me tell you something. Paul was, this is something about Paul. And this is something about Pastor Lenny. I realize this. Paul considered himself the least of the apostles, right? He's very humble. He was very humble. And so I understand that. I need to walk in the humility that I, I have because of Christ. But here's one thing about Paul. Let a man be accursed if he preaches another gospel. If an angel, I never knew what that meant, if an angel. You know why? Because Paul taught that the angel came and gave the Ten Commandments. So Paul is saying that even if, if an angel, Gabriel, or whoever gave it, comes. Let him be accursed. And then he talks about where I went to Peter's face and I approached him to his face because he's straight. So one thing Paul wasn't humble about, defending the gospel. 
I love defending the gospel of Christ. So I hope that you were blessed by this. Go into the scriptures. Know who was saying it. Know who the audience was. Try to learn of the culture. You can very easily, you know, hey, what was the culture back back then? What would this, this might have meant to them, whatever? And it will give you an amazing understanding, you know. Uh, and you'll really know what was really being said, how, why, to who, and then how it relates to us. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for Holy Spirit. We heard about him a lot today. Amen. And we, th we thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. You released the Holy Spirit to our lives to lead us, to guide us, to take us to, to take us away, to carry us, to reveal truth to us. Well, he's everything we need. And we thank you for Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have him. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.